Welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition, where we keep you up to date with everything going on in the Cold Fusion community. We'll share the latest news on events, releases to engines, frameworks, libraries, and tools, as well as spotlighting quality content from the community. Welcome back to another Modernizer Die Podcast. This is the CFML News Edition, December 17th, 2019. And I'm lucky to have Brad Wood with me, the lead developer for Command Box for Auto Solutions. Oh, thanks, Gavin. I'm just happy to be here. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well. Uh, so what's going on? It's almost Christmas, man. Yep. Almost Christmas. Yeah. And we have a special announcement. So you have to wait and listen to the whole episode to hear the announcement. No, that's me. So, uh, <laughs> so next week we have a special date and time so instead of doing it on tuesday which would be christmas eve for those who watch live uh we decided to push it back or pull it back to monday so we're gonna do it monday the 23rd and we're gonna do it at uh three eastern or 12 pacific uh and we have a very special guest who would that guest be gavin tell us we're gonna have the one and only ben nadal so he's He won the prize for being mentioned most times on the podcast other than ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> so we thought uh, we should have him on. And uh, if you guys don't listen to like JavaScript Jabber and some of the Adventures and Angular podcasts, he's actually on those quite often as guests and whatnot. So he's a <clears throat> podcaster as well. And uh, uh, he's now a fan of the show. So we thought we'd invite him to host. And he's he said yes. So, I'm glad so, you asked him ahead of time. Otherwise, it'd be kind of awkward if he was just listening to us right now. I was like, wait, what? Huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, so uh, hopefully you guys are excited. We'll have uh, Ben on the on the podcast. And we're going to try and invite some uh, community members now and then just, uh, you know, join in. But, you know, we thought we'd give you the gift of Ben for Christmas next week. <laughs> Dan wants to know if Ben Nadell is real. Oh, he's very real, Dan. Yep. I remember the year that Ben didn't come to CF Objective and somebody, Dan Fredericks or Kevin McGabe, somebody had like a Ben mask they were going around. It was the freakiest. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of them too, wasn't there? Because it started with one, but then they ended up having a whole oh, bunch. Oh, yeah, people had little like sticks with with yep. his face and they're walking around. It was, just, it was pretty fun. Was so, so obviously <laughs> Ben's, uh, Ben's a Cold Fusion developer for a long time and uh, he's got a successful company. The Envision app is uh, one of the most popular apps for uh you know prototyping and sketching out um stuff and uh, it's got a cold fusion back end and it's still running it runs on lucy now i think they just converted a while back but uh maybe yeah, you can give did. us a little insight to you know their process that, and everything that kind of uh, got ben back into cold fusion a bit i think um they've been stuck on cold fusion 10 for whatever reason and they uh, did a migration to lucy and he kind of dove back into blogging and stuff rediscovering the wonders of cfml so yep it's exciting obviously we appreciate all the great content he puts out there and i know many people uh even some of the (laughs) oldest team members you know like oh my gosh like ben's was like one of the first blogs ever wrote (laughs) or read sorry so yeah so him and ray camden used to blog like once a day and I don't know how they ever did it. I mean, they would just like knock out the blog posts, but. And that's one of the questions I'm going to have for him is like, how do you do it? How did you do it? Yeah. He secretly hired a team of, of, uh, of people to write blog posts for him. Yeah. So anyway, so, yep. So next week it'll be Monday at 12 Pacific, three Eastern. Um, we'll obviously tweet about it. What is it, it in central Gavin? It's Tell two, us the real time zone. Two central. 
yeah, <laughs> two the times that we all were waiting for. Thank you. Why? No one's in the middle. Come on. Anyways, so <laughs> flyover country. Yep. I'm in flyover time zones where I'm at. Yep. Okay. So let's get on with it. So we had a few releases this last week. Um, some some good news here. So Order Solutions released Forgebox 4.9.0. It's getting pretty close to that big five. I wonder if that'll be into the box next year. So um, it's a minor release. Um, they've got a, a few bugs and fixes, but um, so that actually updates the Forgebox live site that everybody uses with a community version, but we also have enterprise version as well. So if you guys are an enterprise customer, you can update to the latest version as well. Yep. Always improving. It's kind of funny. What, what What's the current content box version at Gavin? I think it's 4.3 or 4.2 point something. Oh, it's lagging a bit behind. It's kind of weird because the, the current command box snapshots are 4.9.0. And so Forgebox had to like beat me to the punch by re- releasing 4.9.0. Except for Eric has us all beat because Quick is at version like what, 78 now? I don't know. <laughs> Eric no. eats a major bump for breakfast every day. Yeah, no, he's at um he's in the 7.0 beta, I think, right now. So um, actually, that's a good point. He did mention if you got any last minute feedback for 7.0, uh, please get it to um, Eric. Um, or forever hold your peace. Yeah, because he's uh, getting ready to cut that pretty soon. I think he wants to cut it before the end of the year. So um, that one's ending the near, uh, nearing the end of the the beta process there. So, so Eric uh, always kind of makes fun of us because we a lot of our products will do more marketing kind of versions, and he's like, "No, it's simple. Breaking change, major bump, easy." Which is exactly why uh, QB and Quick have higher versions, just because he's not afraid to. <laughs> to bump them yep exactly so um so yeah so if you guys have any feedback from over qb7 if you've been testing out please let him know he's uh, making the final changes so we can get that. fractals on eight nice um, yeah so next on Coolio. our list uh it looks yeah, like so a- we also had the new uh adobe cold fusion update seven uh for uh, Cold Fusion 2018 is on Forgebox. It's kind of funny. Usually you're used to the updates for Cold Fusion coming in kind of groups. Um, you know, for a while they'd update 11, 2016, and 2018. 11's finally um, been end of life. But uh, this one, there were no updates for 2016. It was just 2018. It was a very simple update. There was a fix for some kind of weird CSS thing in the admin where you couldn't get to the <laughs> download button for updates, which is pretty funny. Um, of course, for command box users, you don't really need that because you just ask command box for a new version. Um, and then there was a there was a security fix uh, improvement in there, um, which again I'm not sure actually applies to command box users, but users. But either way, update seven is on Forgebox for uh, 2018, and uh, ready for you to start using and testing. Yep. Yeah. We didn't want someone thinking that we we're behind, so we did it anyway. So. Nope. Yeah. And people always will ask, you know, when will when will the update be available? Usually we have it within one to two days, um, just depending on how busy we are and and how important it is. So whenever you see uh, Adobe, or for that matter, Lucy update, um, usually within one or two days, uh, we'll have it out there um, ready for yeah. you. I mean, I'm surprised how quick you and John get them turned around because, I mean, you do test them and everything too. It's not like you just update them and throw them out there and have everybody <laughs> break. You know, there's, <laughs> we, there's a process. and we, yeah, We try to run them through a little bit of paces, yeah. Yeah, so cool, cool. Perfect. Well, so what are you doing this week or next week? Or whenever oh, I'm you're copying doing this? you, Brad. Last week oh. you were on uh, the online Cold Fusion meetup and you were talking about your, you know, um, please pass the salt, serve up passwords mm-hmm. inside of Entropy. And so your session uh, went well, right? Uh, well, I mean, nobody left like crying. So 
if if that's a measure of well. Uh, no, I think it was good. Um, you, know, you, you can't see people's faces online, but we had a lot of good questions afterwards um, about security and password hashing and stuff. So it's always fun to be on a, on Charlie's meetup, and he has a, a you know really big mailing list of people he can draw from, so he can always pull a crowd for about anything. So yeah, so you were number- I always recommend. You're number 257. I can't believe it. It's yeah. that's a big number. So, but uh, he did post it up on YouTube. So we have that link in the show notes here for your session. But this week I'm going to do one of my sessions. So uh, at CF Summit, um, I packed one of the rooms and there was like the only standing room available for my start doing integrated testing. So I'm going to be doing that one. Because as the description says, sadly, most developers don't test their code like they should (laughs) because testing can be hard and it's time consuming and the customer doesn't want to pay for it. But in this session, I'll show you how easy testing can be and better yet, it's fun. So uh, come check that out Thursday and that's 12 Eastern, 11 Central. (laughs) So is this this using Eric's integrated library specifically? Yeah. So I I start by just showing how you can do some, some normal integration tests. And so with that, you know, we do some CF HTTP and I'll even show you how Hyper makes it easier. And then I show them uh, how in Lucy you can do the the background call. So that, um, remember you, you showed us a while back about how uh, Lucy has a hidden function for making HTTP calls internally. So yeah, uh, the internal I, request one. Yep. So I'll mention <clears throat> that as well. And then I'll show you, you know, how if you want to start doing trickier things, it can be a little more complicated doing the with hyper and everything else. So uh, show you how integrated can make that even better because, you know, integrated uses JSoup to do some pretty cool stuff. And so this allows you to, to do some, some pretty complicated testing very simply. So I think it's pretty cool. And uh, a lot of people never heard of integrated and Eric did that. I think one of his first presentations uh, into the box, like four or five years ago was on integrated. Um, and to be honest, you know, we probably should really get, dive back into it and start using it more, make some more updates. And a lot of people are really excited after my talk to come up and ask me more about it. And, you know, some, so yeah, so I thought it'd be a great one to show off because everyone needs to do more testing. Um, and, you know, so got a good, good reception at, uh, at CF Summit. So I thought I'd share it. It's probably not going to be what I'm going to talk into the box. So I thought I should get it out there, get it recorded. Cool. So. So yeah, so if you guys want to join me Thursday, this Thursday, December 19th at 12 Eastern, 11 Central, 10 Mountain, 9, <laughs> 9 Pacific, and 6 a.m. Hawaiian time. And What about... And New Zealand Swiss time as well. Time. I don't know, Swiss. <laughs> Actually, the GMT I think it's 4 p.m. UTC one. if you really care. So anyway, there right, we go. So right, come join the, me and Charlie. Uh, there's the meetup link for uh, for yours. Very cool. So it looks like there's also a webinar that uh, Rackshift is doing soon. Yep. So they announced that uh, the CF Summit India that they're going to be doing a special uh, webinar January 16th of 2020. So the next decade. Um, but so it's going to be, you know, a really <laughs> good look into sort of the vision for 2020 and all the important pieces. And, um, you know, so, yeah, it sounds like uh, we should definitely check that out. So all the buzzworthy Cold Fusion 2020 so it looks like a space is kind of a, a vision for what's coming up in uh in 2020 i'm yeah. curious if it'll have more information than what they've had in their in their keynotes this year yeah i know they're getting closer and closer to the release we don't know when it is and mm, i wonder if maybe the the pre-release will coincide with this maybe maybe all right there's but, the link for it 
you guys want to sign up for it. Yep. And then, uh, yeah, the pre-release, if you guys, I don't know if they're <clears> still <throat> open to sign up to, to get into the pre-release, but um, we'll have to try and grab that link again and throw that in here as well, because we should probably leave that as a running, a running event. Check out the pre-release, get on, on the insider information and, and check that out. So... Yeah, I cool. still haven't heard anything back from the pre-release, so yeah, I don't know if they haven't you. opened it or if they just haven't <laughs> let me in. <laughs> they're like, don't let that Brad guy in. Jeez. Yeah, he's always talking bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's probably because you mentioned putting it up on Forgebox. They're like, uh <laughs> He said box. Every time Brad says box, we delay his entrance for another week. Yep. Okay, well. That's our news for this week. The conference is coming up. So uh, the call for speakers for Into the Box 2020 is still open. Um, So we have until January 15th, I believe, is the deadline. Um, We're we're still working on the the workshops. I believe uh, Luis said last week that we're going to have six workshops. So um, if you guys have any ideas for workshops, please let us know. But uh, your call for speakers is at papercall.io slash ITB2020. So you guys can get in there and submit your, your talk. Um, and yeah, it doesn't have to be a box product talk. It can just be related to web development. And, uh, you know, we're, we're hoping to have some new speakers this year to spice it up a little bit and, uh, and make sure when you guys are thinking about next year and planning, maybe get in early with the dates. So May 6th to 8th, 2020, it's going to be in Houston, Texas. So, uh, start preparing because you can't miss into the box and the happy box. (laughs) The mariachi band. Yep, it's a it's a lot of fun, great conference, and it's got some beginner material, but it's got a lot of advanced material too. So people like to mix, they like the, the ability to dive into something new, and yeah, you'll see a lot of things that you probably won't won't have seen elsewhere. So definitely come check that out. It's a great conference, and this is number eight for us. So we're getting up there already. So cool. Well, that's the conference news. I'm already busy reading the next tweet you're about to talk about. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you, when is Dev Nexus? Because that's a, another great conference that you guys usually go to. Um, you know when that is? Luis and I are attending. We uh, we forgot to try to submit talks in time this year. Oh. Um, I'm trying to look and see when the dates actually are. DevNexus.com. Um, February 19th through 21st, 2020. Okay. So uh, the Fusion Reactor guys have been at Dev Nexus for the last two or three years. Um, and Luis and I always go. So if you're looking for like a, a cool, just like, java ecosystem conference to check out this got like two thousand people so it's a big shindig and it has like more swag than you can shake a swag bag at dev nexus is always a uh, fun it's at the um uh well see i i think it's they had it in the uh, the olympic park area um the Co- world conference center or whatever uh for a couple of years i'm not sure if it's back there again but uh, that's always a good place i mean it's right there in atlanta georgia it's pretty easy to get in and out of um, and of course, they have uh, workshops the day before as well. I'm going to be going to, I believe, a, a Kubernetes workshop to uh, learn up on that. Cool, cool. I'll, I'll stick that link here in the uh, the chat as well in case someone wants to take a peek at DevNexus. What's funny is there's usually a, a handful of, uh, of Cold Fusion people that'll crop up. I've ran into uh, Peter Bell there, who's a uh, old time CFer wrote Lightwire, which Wirebox is based on. Ray Camden's been there a couple years, either on behalf of IBM in the past or other things. Um, oh, what's the ever guy? Todd something? Does never do Todd the shop. Yeah, big old cool like beard. Um, I think it's Todd Sharp. He does a lot of uh, Grails, maybe. 
there's something groovy, something he does now. But anyway, he uh, he's popped up there. It's kind of funny how you uh, you run into people from the the CF world hiding out. There might be a few other ones I I forget. I think Aaron uh, Bitten may have been there at least once uh, with Catchface. Cool. Yeah, well, maybe we can spotlight some of the other conferences that might be uh, worthwhile attending if you're a Cold Fusion developer that might be relevant too. So yeah. maybe we'll we'll start giving you guys a, a list of some of those as well. So let's get into the Nexus. blogs, tweets, and videos of Thank the you. week. So yeah, so All today, right. just today, this is fresh off the off the news here. James Moberg was uh, talking on Twitter. His, his handle's Game Over. And um, he was talking about, when researching Cold Fusion issues, I refer to CFDocs to identify params. Brad just moved it on me. <laughs> Sorry, I'm editing the show notes to add that DevNexus link in. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, so basically, you know, he uses CFDocs to identify all that um, params, data types, etc. But he was saying that, you know, Open Blue Dragon, which is an old CF uh, open source engine, I'm not sure if they're doing much development anymore, but they've got they good are. examples on things like, you know, um, attribute collection options and stuff like that. So we started a little tweet uh, thread about how we can make CFDocs better because I love CFDocs. It's got a lot of great information in there. But if, you know, if, we, if you see something missing or whatnot, we're talking about how can we sort of guide people. Like Hacktoberfest, um, Pete said he got a lot of good uh, contributions and throughout the year he gets a lot of good contributions too. We're just talking about how we can improve CFDocs, you know. And my rule is if I use something and it doesn't have a good example, I try and put one in there, you know, right away. Make a pull request. It's pretty easy with uh, these days. And even if I'm not sure what should be there, I'll usually try and make an issue, you know, put an issue in there. If you don't have time to do the pull request, that's a good option too. So anyway, so that started a little, uh, you know, tweet thread and uh, Pete chimed in a little bit too. And, you know, so um, James was talking about, it'd be nice to have comments so people can make comments about tags or something saying it's no longer supported or watch out for this bug. Here's a link to the bug tracker, etc. So See, I'm not a fan of comments on docs. And the, the number one reason is because they get abused. People just ask for help in comments. I think, like, my personal opinion is if you have a note about something, you should edit the docs so the docs actually just say it. But I don't know. I'm a little jaded about comments. We had the same discussion on Forgebox when we created it. Should we have comments? And I said no because people will just ask for help and it'll be in the wrong place. And we said, let's do it. Um, and most of the comments in Forgebox <laughs> are people asking for help. Yeah. So um, no, it's, it's worth it's worth noting though. If you're on CF Docs, I just like went there and searched for CF Dump. Um, there's a little like edit button. It's like red to the left of like the uh, the number the, the supported engines and stuff. And if you're like, oh, I want to make a change to this, just click the edit button and it dumps you straight into GitHub.com with that markdown. Actually, it's not markdown. It's JSON with that JSON. Mm -hmm. um, file pulled up you can make your changes submit your pull request right from there so i mean the workflow is about as as easy as you can imagine yeah and that, that was sort of my my point too is like it's it's easy to get started easy to add to it but where can we guide people you know because maybe there's a list of things that they'd like to be able to work off of you know if someone's uh, on a documentation drive like hacktober face we could do doctober uh, you know, and try and get in there and make some changes. It'd be nice to have a list of things. I mean, I think issues make sense for that. Well, there but. are 72 open issues, but, well, I doubt anybody ever looks at them. But if you are looking for something to do, I would start with the, with the open issues. Yep. I'm just kind of scrolling through a bunch of them. Yeah. So, 
anyway, so that was an interesting tweet. You know, it's always good to see the community talking about how we can make it better. And I think CFDocs is a great, a great tool because it supports both engines, has the differences and compatibilities. <clears throat> and, you know, it's got some uh, really good examples for some things and some things it's missing. So let's uh, make it better. So cool. Uh, the next, Perfect. we have a blog post from Charlie on the Adobe Cold Fusion blog, just about the meetup. So, um, one thing to mention about the meetup is he's had a bit of trouble the last couple of weeks trying to get the date and time zone correct with mm. meetup. So um, right now, if you look at the time on there, it shows up in central time. But if you click add to calendar, it will add it to the right time, depending on your time zone for your calendar. That's good so, to know. So yeah. So. Yeah. And I can, I can confirm um, when I did my talk last week with the please pass the salt, about three or four people all showed up at the end of the talk an hour late uh, because they saw the time and the invite and they didn't realize it was like Eastern or whatever the heck time zone it was. Yeah. Um, and meetup.com doesn't let Charlie control that. He has to register his meetup in a given time zone, even though it's a virtual one. And so uh, Charlie's helpless to, to make that be more specific. So you have to pay attention to the time zone or you'll show up an hour late. Like several people did to my talk. Yeah. So it is, it shows up, central time on there because that's where charlie is so you're not the only one in central time brad um but yeah if you click add to calendar <laughs> it'll remind you the right time so charlie and i are both in central that's the majority isn't it i guess out of us three yes yes you're right <laughs> <laughs> so it looks like Matt right. clemente was helping you with some mm -hmm. command box stuff so he's got a blog post here yeah he put in a ticket the other day what was it even for i forget what he put in the ticket for I know I merged it. <laughs> uh, he put in a ticket for something he wanted to change. Oh, it was uh, when you were doing like the cold box create view or something. One of the scaffolding commands, it would create the tests in the wrong folder if you tried to specify a custom folder. Oh. Um, so, of course, I pulled a Luis, which was, hey, you want to send a pull request for that? <laughs> um, and he was like, yeah, sure. How do I do uh, it? <laughs> but, yeah. But then, you know, he, he pinged me on Jira and he was like, what are the steps for getting, you know, command box running locally? Um, which is something I've done and I've walked other people through, but for some lazy reason, I've never just like put them in the docs. Um, maybe just cause you know, hacking on, 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 uh, yeah, create resources. That's what it was. Hacking on command boxes, not necessarily a typical use case. They'll probably deserves a page of the docs somewhere anyway. So I had, I'd kind of just, you know, put a bunch of information in the, in the Jira comments thinking to myself, Hmm, should probably document this somewhere. So, uh, Matt took that wrap it all up with a bow on it and made a nice little blog post out of it. So if you're, if you're wanting to hack on command box, send a pull request, we have all the, all the steps to get the Git repo cloned and sim linked. And then you can just work on it without having, you know, two copies of the, of the code floating around. You can just make your changes, test them right there in command box, and then just commit it right to the, to the Git repo. Cool. Grab the link for that. Yeah, that's that's good to know too. Like, yeah, the scaffolding stuff. There's a lot of cool stuff in there. And but yeah, if you notice something, it's not too hard. Jump in there and uh, yeah. I mean, it looks like a really great blog post. And uh, so thanks, Matt, for for doing that. Um, next on our list, we have the blog post about uh, ForgeBox 4.9.0. So if you want to find a little more about it, uh, we have that blog post there as well. And here's an interesting one from Fusion Reactor. So this is just uh, not really Cold Fusion related, even though Fusion Reactor is a tool that works great with Cold Fusion. But they have uh, 
basically a blog post about Docker um, and using some of these um, tool containers. And we, we mentioned when we were setting up Sentry, how basically you have this Docker container and its sole purpose is to basically generate a, a key, right? It starts up, loads up the appropriate libraries, generates like a, you know, a special key so you can use as your secret key. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, when we, that's when we actually installed Sentry as a Docker image on our swarm. And you had to create some key, yeah, and they had this like Docker thing you would just spin up and it would do it all. Yeah, and so let's talk about how to like you know how these little Docker things is basically creating these little tools, just a Docker run, and it can you know be like a little wizard that asks you a few questions and everything, and then once it's done, it cleans itself up, removes itself from from your computer like it was never there, and doesn't it means it doesn't need to worry about what dependencies you're running or what system you're running or anything. The Docker container is self-contained with everything it needs to do its job. Uh, and it's a pretty cool little thing. So they wrote um, wrote this blog post here about um, about what is how do you pronounce that again? I don't know. What do ephemeral, you ephemeral, ephemeral, ephemeral Docker's as tool containers. Yeah. yeah. Big words. Um, so what does this? I'm curious. What does this have to do with Fusion Reactor? Or did they just do an example of it and so they are blogging it? I, I mean, this is a cool about... use of a Docker. I'm just curious where the overlap is with with Fusion Reactor. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, to be honest. Um, but hmm. they're just talking about some tools, and so that's why I thought it was interesting. You know, like say, of course, none of their examples show cold fusion. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, because what's nice about it is you know somebody might write a script in say ruby to do xyz um and the requirement would be you'd have to go download ruby and install it locally on your machine before you could run the script but if you wrap that entire thing up in a docker image it just has ruby inside of it of whatever version you want then it can literally just be you know run a docker image of this name which downloads the image complete with everything it needs and runs it um you could totally do that with, you know, you could wrap up a command box task runner, you know, inside of a Docker image or something. The only downside is, you know, as soon as you touch CFML stuff, you have to have, you know, an image with Java inside of it. And then, you know, minimally Lucy. <laughs> it's so a lot size, bigger than some of these other yeah, ones. Yeah, <laughs> the size of your image, like, quickly can grow to several hundred megs, which is what kind of sucks about that. Um, it yeah. be nice to, to work on trying to get that smaller. You know, you can throw Golang in an image and it's like 10 megs, you know, and that's like, super fast just to download it, you know, a go like image that does something and then closes. So oh, Charlie's asking questions. I don't know what you're talking about. What are you talking about, Charlie? Watch the URL. Yeah. Give us a little more info, Charlie. I'm not sure either. Um, we did mention your blog post about the, the meetup and, and also mentioned the time zone issues to remind everybody, but yeah. we're just telling everybody to show up and listen. Yep. Okay, well, that's still a, that's still a cold post by Fusion Reactor, though. I like that, and I like I'd like to see cold fusion in exactly. a Docker image be small enough to the point where it was more feasible. I don't know if feasible is the right word. Where it was just easier to do that. So anyway, yeah. Well, if everyone's already using command box Docker images, then they'd already have that layer of the Docker image. So when you downloaded it, we wouldn't need to download all of that. True. Again. Yeah. If that layer was already cached, then uh, and you just extended it directly, then that would be great. Yeah. Oh, so. yeah. I just put I just put that URL in, Charlie. Uh, and all these URLs will be in the show notes. Uh, but there's the URL I just uh, we were just discussing. Yep. Okay. So next on the list, Fusion Reactor had another one. So this is debug your applications from development to production. So this is talking about um, Fusion's Reactor's Cold Fusion debugger, 
and it has mm-hmm. a little video too. So I know if you've been to CF Summit or talked to them at any of the booths, the conferences, they have this production debugger example, and it's pretty neat. And so uh, this gives you a little more information about the how that works, and there's a little video in it too that they posted on YouTube. And it's great. Charlie's done a lot of uh, a lot of work for them. Done a lot of presentations, and they have a lot of great videos and great content about Fusion Reactor. So we're big fans of Fusion Reactor here at Audis, and uh, yeah, so definitely go check that out. Yep. Oops. Sorry, I, I copied the wrong URL, Charlie. <laughs> this is this is the thermal. I, I copied the one we just talked about. Um, yeah, the production debugger is pretty cool. So it's, it's it's worth noting that the I don't know if the production debugger is the the official name for it, um, but the the cold fusion debugger this post talks about is different than the fusion debug product, um, which is an older product that I don't think that they develop on much anymore. Um, and fusion debug was more like just a, a standard debugger you connect like Eclipse or an IDE to. Um, the uh, this debugger is a web based debugger that's built into the the, the same web interface that you use to monitor, um, you know, requests and things in uh, in Fusion Reactor, and uh, it just re- it requires that you have a, 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 a it's a Java agent. There's some little DLL on Windows um, that has to be on there. The nice thing is if you're using Command Box to start your servers and you're using the Command Box Fusion Reactor module, it automatically includes all the little JVM args that you need for the the production debugger to work. So. Um, it's pretty fun. I've played around with it, um, yeah. you know, basic step debugging and watching variables. I, yeah. I think a lot of people have never used it just because they don't really know it's there. They don't know how to use it. So yeah, it's pretty cool that you say next time this happens, pause the request and email me, and then you go basically log in, and then that request is waiting for you to go log in and then step through it. Obviously, you don't want to do too much of that if it's in production and you're not going to be paying attention. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah. But the trick is cool. if if, you, if there's an error that only happens in production, you can basically set a breakpoint. And you can set it to only fire once and then to, you know, grab the thread and hold it and pause it. And then, you know, it'll only, you basically you sacrifice one user, <laughs> you know, their browser <laughs> will never come back, but at least you can grab that thread and you can look at it. And then, you know, the rest of the site will, uh, will, will, will keep, uh, running. Uh, it'll only stop on the first one. Yeah. And so, yeah, Charlie says they refer to it as the production debugger and that's okay. the key difference, you know? Yep. So we're on we're on the right path. So Charlie's saying we're, we're not talking crap. So thank oh, you. Oh, we're talking crap. But... <laughs> uh oh, Matt Gifford's in the house too. Oh, Man, we got crap. a whole got a whole house Man, full of trouble here. We better watch what we say. Everybody's here. I know he's got the swear jar. He'll get us. <laughs> but, yep. Oh so, my gosh. Okay, what's next? Uh, so, yep. So uh, I, Zach Splitter um, updated Splitter? some Lucy. Do- oh, is it Splitter? Spitzer. Spitzer. Sorry, I don't know. <laughs> Well, we we do, correct, maybe. we we do try to uh, ruin people's names here if we can. It's, it's like a hobby. Yeah, well, we're good at it—that's for sure. Allow me to fix these show notes before you Post embarrass them. all of us by by publishing these. That's there what happens. Zach Spitzer. Yep. So um, yeah, so he made an update to the Lucy Doc. So now uh, this this feature would be really handy for those who are migrating from Cold Fusion to Lucy. So when they uh, have all the the mm. function arguments, attributes, etc., inside the documents, they're going to mention which are implemented and which are not implemented. So they'll have an unimplemented uh, little um, you know attribute next to the attributes that aren't implemented in Lucy. So if Cold Fusion has something. He'll include it, but he'll just say unimplemented. So that way, when you're migrating, you can quickly see which ones, you know, don't exist there, et cetera. So, yeah, that's nice. 
Yeah, because the example it links to is the CFPDF tag, which has like a zillion uh, uh, arguments to it yep. or attributes, uh, tag attribute. Yeah, um, and so it's, yeah, it's not always clear. You could look at the, the Lucy docs and you can see what's listed there and you look at the Adobe docs, but it's harder to get a, a quick look at what's in, unimplemented. So you can kind of scroll down and be like, okay, show on print. This one's unimplemented in Lucy. That's, that's nice. Um, yeah. Yep. So next little thing, since we were talking about docs earlier and everything. And then uh, after that, we have another blog post from Computer Know How. So this is the keys to workplace wellness part two. And this one talks about physical wellness. And so we'll link to the first one too, which I think was uh, the more mental, emotional, spiritual um, but yeah, so basically the, the physical wellness. So one of those little soft skills type, uh, ones where, you know, if you want to do well in the workplace, you've got to look mm, after yourself. Crap. And... One of them says, stop eating at your desk. Uh Oh, dang it. That's where I eat lunch every day, man. Lunch, dinner, breakfast, midnight snacks. <laughs> I used to, I used to always eat at my desk at one of my first jobs. And one day I, I, I noticed my keyboard would just, it was like a crumb catcher. I took all the keys off the keyboard and it was so disgusting. I was disgusted with myself. It was yeah. like, it was like a, the history of all the meals I'd ever eaten, just buried under the keys. Well, you got to shake it out, blow them out. Yeah. It's pretty bad. So yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I like um, this. this is good. I like this uh, kind of uh, life skills kind of stuff. It's not really coded, but it's how to, how to succeed though. Yep. So speaking of Charlie Earhart, um, we also um, spotlighted his. I know he's listening. Uh, (laughs) His blog post, Cold Fusion 2018 Update 7, released today. Do you need it? So this is um, again um, goes through all the different um, steps. Figure out, um, you know, basically most of it replies to running on Windows, but not all. See if users are on Windows, etc. So he sort of walks through all the different pieces of it, why it's important, should you do it, and what to be careful of when you install them. Uh, Charlie's always, uh, you know, this is his job. He helps people every day, um, you know, keeping their servers up and running. So um, applying updates, always go to Charlie's site and make sure it works. Nice. Pro tip from Scott, put my keyboard in the dishwasher. What could go wrong? Uh, Charlie, since you're here, you might be interested in knowing that uh, I was talking with Priyank this morning about uh, Cold Fusion 2018 and whether or not it is officially supported on Java 8. And I got a response back right as we were starting the podcast. And the answer is no, it is not fit officially supported. So you were correct. Anyway, a little side note. Cool, cool. So um, we have no blog post from Matt Gifford this week. So I asked him, uh, is he on vacation? He's, he's yeah, taking a genication. So, um, <laughs> so uh, hopefully we'll uh, get some more blog posts from Matt Gifford in the in the next decade here. But uh, you know, Matt, if if you would blog just a little more, maybe the Christmas special podcast would have been you instead of Ben. But you, you left yep. us no choice. We're not yeah. we're not angry. We're just disappointed. Yep. So for those of you who missed it, just we'll re- reiterate that. So uh, next week we have a special. Uh, date and time so we're going to do monday 3 p.m uh, eastern 12 pacific and we're having um a special guest so um ben nadal is going to join me on the podcast next week so we're getting you a gift of ben for christmas how do we know it's not like a cardboard cut out of ben and you have like a string you pull and the arms kind of move are people going to be able to like ask him live questions just to prove it's really him well, I'm going to ask him live questions. We have the chat, so you guys can harass him there. 
We'll ask him about his dog, Lucy. <laughs> he has a dog named Lucy? Are you serious? Yeah. Is dog. it named after Lucy's server or just no, no coincidence? It's spelled differently. Or is yeah. it coincidence? Well, you don't you don't follow him on Twitter, Brad? He's gonna be so offended. I <laughs> I don't always pay attention to Twitter. <laughs> unless you unless you use the word confusion in the tweet, I'll, I'll probably not see it. Yep. So okay, enough enough guilt tripping him, Matt Giff. You've you've provided plenty of great. Oh, I wouldn't go that far. I mean, <laughs> maybe just the right amount of guilt tripping. Yeah. <laughs> Charlie says we'd need cables to pull Ben's arms. Yeah, <laughs> he's got some beefy, some beefy biceps. That's right. Yeah. So what's so, this coding challenge of the month I see in the show so notes? So we've started a new feature with the the CFML News podcast. So once a month, Autis is going to offer up a, a little coding challenge of the month. Ooh, so last week we were talking about... This is a reoccurring thing? Yeah, we're starting it, and we're going to try and do it once nice. a month here. So um, basically, last week, um, James Moberg was uh, talking about how um, Ray Camden's UPS, um, CFUPS uh, module... Is still working, and I guess there's an update to the UPS module. Um, the URL is changing at the end of this year, and so it's been running for like 12 years or something, and it's been working up till now. It still works, um, but you only need to change the URL and the configuration. So Luis last week, who was a special guest host, decided to offer a, a little bounty for the whoever publishes that that source code as a cold box module in Forgebox before the end of the year. The first person to do it, because obviously we don't need too many copies of it, but the first person to do it will get a $25 gift card. So we'll send you an Amazon gift card to enjoy. So, um, so yeah, so um, I know I saw a couple of tweets about that, um, and I'm not sure if anyone's actually started working on it or they're going to. But uh, well, the the tweet that Ortis sent just referenced the UPS library, and it, and unless people had actually seen the original library, they probably had no clue what the tweet was referring to. So it's probably yeah. a good thing we clarified that here in the podcast since. Yeah, because we had we had a link to it, but of course it links to Reforge, which is dead. Uh- <laughs> But you know what? I probably have the code somewhere because I, I used to use the CFUPS thing at some point as well. So, Well, if it's on Reaforge, then the code's probably on that big Google Drive folder where I downloaded all the Reaforge downloads. Well, do you um, want to add that to the show notes then and see if we can if find it? If I can it find there? it. Yeah. Scott, if you're asking if anybody did that UPS thing, no. It, it wasn't. You asked if anyone fixed it. It wasn't. Well, I mean, it well, is broken. It is migrating and needs I, fixing for yeah, next year. But I, yeah. I think the challenge was take the code fix that thing and then actually publish it on Forgebox because right now the, the code is basically homeless. Yep. It's, it's one of those things that never was transferred off Rio Forge. Yep. So anyway, that's the coding challenge of the month and we'll uh, try and have some more. So at the beginning of each month, we'll, uh, we'll announce who won it. And sometimes it'll be a challenge, like a puzzle or something. Sometimes it'll be like this, first in, first serve. So we'll see. But we decided, let's make it interesting. And uh, those who follow the podcast can get in on the action. And yeah, let's have a little challenge. So Matt can finance his next genication if he wins a few of these challenges. <laughs> something like that. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Only the cheap gen, though. Cool. We actually have quite a few jobs available now. So all those who got fired at Christmas time, we got your job options here so you get rehired before the end of the year. Uh, sad, but true. Anyway, so we have um, some from getcfmljobs.com, which is a cold fusion site that pulls in from a lot of different places. But we also have, um, from there, we have 23 cold fusion positions from 18 companies across 16 locations in five countries. 
And so the first one we have, a full-time senior ColdFusion developer for Pinspector in Washington, D.C. And so that's uh, one available. And then we have uh, another one. So a full-time IT engineer applications ColdFusion developer um, slash admin for Acrea Inc. in Portland, Oregon. Sounds good to me. Seems yep. like there's a decent amount of cold fusion in Portland. I only say that just because I, I have we have some clients of Ordis's out there, and I've ran into several people from there. Yep, and I know in government. Yeah, there's obviously a lot in DC usually, but here's another one in Florida. So this is a, a full-time software uh, cold fusion software engineer for a Webstaurant store. It's like it's like a web restaurant, a Webstaurant. <laughs> Wonder if that's what DoorDash uses under the covers. <laughs> so I um, only hope. Yeah, web programming experience for Cold Fusion version nine plus required for that one. And mm, better has, be plus. Better be a heavy plus on that. Yeah. And it has uh, multiple on site openings apparently. So you can get that on getcfmiljobs.com as well. And then there was another one I just found on Twitter here. So this is a ten month contract for a Cold Fusion developer in Albany, New York. So <laughs> they'll be responsible for coding new enhancements um um basically for this app. And so this is actually at techvital.com slash jobs. And we'll post the link because it's a long URL there. But um, so if you're looking for a contract job, there's one available there. And I nice. didn't see if it was remote or, or not. It may be in person. So I'm trying so. to look right here. Mandatory qualifications. 84 months of experience. Really? 85? After a certain point, don't you just start representing that as years? <laughs> <laughs> that would be seven years experience in case no one's curious yeah 84 flipping come on people you're killing well, one of those other jobs actually required um you know a master's degree and or 15 years of web development experience and i was like Whoo. well i know a lot of people with well, a fair amount of people with 15 years though i mean that's, that's pretty steep but a master's degree i don't yeah. know of many cold fusion people that have gotten a master's <coughs> scott steinbeck has <laughs> his mba really yeah I wouldn't mind getting a master's. I just hated school. I don't want to ever go back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nice. All right. Well, links there in the show notes. I feel like we need a little intro whenever we do the CFML jobs. You know that old song? Um, it's like, get a job. Do, 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 get a job. Can we like get a little clip of that? You know, it's like. We can do whatever know. you want, Brad. Just get something that's not going to get us blocked from YouTube for copyright oh, infringement. Oh, crap. You're right. If we, if to we be play honest, like. One second of that YouTube's copyright stuff would be like, kill, kill. That's hey, Matt Clemente has a master's degree as well in English. In English. You know, it's really interesting the number of people I've worked with that were Cold Fusion developers that had degrees in just totally unrelated fields. And I don't know, you know, the stories are always different as how they got to Cold Fusion, but that was interesting. Yep, for sure. But uh, yeah, to be honest, just talking about the copyright stuff, though, uh, my daughter's um, band, she's a high school band. So we, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I recorded all the, the songs to the grandparents who couldn't make the thing. Yeah. I post them up on Facebook. And uh, and I, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but um, <laughs> one of the songs had like 22 seconds um, taken out of it because it's part of the Nutcracker. And so they copyrighted it. Oh, yeah. That. You, I saw your post on Facebook about so, that. I thought it was interesting. I'm like, does that mean they were actually good enough for those 22 seconds that they could recognize it and they were bad for the rest of it? <laughs> you know, the algorithm is really, really amazing because my, my church live streams are services 
and YouTube will be able to pick out like the songs that we do. Like, and this is, uh, you know, our band performing them. They can pick out the melody and they'll match it to the song and the recording artist and the label it's under. Um, and even though we pay for a streaming license, it doesn't matter. YouTube still monetizes the poop out of our videos, which is totally janky, but they don't give a crap. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know how their algorithm works. It's really interesting. Yeah, it's pretty they, neat. And that's why I was telling my my daughter, I'm like, well, some of it's muted, just so you know. So I think that means you guys did good for 22 seconds. The rest of it. <laughs> it was, it was recognizable. <laughs> what grade's your daughter in? Uh, she's a freshman, but she's in uh, high like, school. Okay. Yeah, she's in advanced. Right. Um, something. something pretty, I mean, if it was like a, like a fifth grade band, sometimes, you know, the, yeah, the concert's so nearly good. unrecognizable, but. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So anyway, back What's to the, the jobs. What's the module of the week, Gavin? Well, what is the module no, of the we've week? We've still got more jobs. What? Yeah, we got a couple from Larry Lyons, who's part of the Northern oh, Virginia Seafug. I didn't scroll down. And so um, he's, uh, he shares jobs that are available in the area, too. So there's a full-time cold fusion slash Python job in McLean, Virginia. So looking for a software engineer, web development, uh, web application developer. Um, so they're looking for an experienced engineer to join their team. And for that, Indeed it's actually jobs. on Indeed.com. Uh, mm -hmm. But I don't know why that one didn't show up in the cold fusion one unless maybe it said cf and didn't mention cold fusion anywhere else so because the cfml job scrapes the indeed stuff right yeah it scrapes a lot of different sites uh, maybe you should uh ping the guy who runs uh cfml jobs and see if you can check his algorithm yeah i might have to because uh yeah usually they're really good about that and that's where they get a lot of great content from and they also have a uh, senior cold fusion developer for savvy solutions in washington <laughs> dc so um they're looking for a senior Cold Fusion developer. That's savvy S A V I. Yeah. And that's if they're you also wanna... looking for cold space fusion. So I guess they're using CF like three. Is that, is that what they're doing? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a recruitment firm. So I'm surprised they managed to get them in the same sentence. Mm, <laughs> you know, seven look... plus years relevant experience. Yep. You know, so... I just, I don't know how I feel about <clears throat> experience. I think. I think like at, at a certain, I mean, yeah, you can have like senior developers and very advanced developers. I think it's a little unfair though sometimes. I mean, is there really something that if someone's been doing it four years that someone doing seven plus would be like objectively better or deeper? It, it, it seems to me that someone could be coding Cold Fusion for maybe three years and they could, you know, really commit themselves to modern practices and learning and they could know better, know more and do better than someone would with seven plus years, it just feels so arbitrary to, to tack a number on that because yeah. it, it filters out anybody that's even like relatively new to the platform. Honestly, yeah, I mean, we've got some, some some great younger developers working with Audis now, and they and have by younger using... we mean they never touched Cold Fusion before we hired them and we trained them up from scratch. Yeah, or even Eric Peterson, for example, like. <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think he said he started Cold Fusion in 2014. So he's done like five or six years of Cold Fusion. Yeah, he would be like ineligible for like half these jobs. Yeah. <laughs> 27 years experience minimum. But, but Eric yeah. is not a, you know, he is definitely, a, you know, a senior developer. Like he runs circles around us and he's built all these amazing tools that Audis is working like quick and, you know, QB and everything else. He's given us so many great things, yeah. but yeah, That's according I, to these I things, he I don't like these post scenes that have such a high filter just to, to get in the door. I think those should, I think that's always something you have to talk to somebody and kind of see what they've done and get a feel for it. But yeah. anyway, that's just me editorializing here. Yeah. Well, the same thing goes with like, have you got 10 years of experience or 10 years doing the same one years worth of experience? 
Because I did a lot of copy-paste programming for a long time, you know. I've been doing Covision mm-hmm. for a long time, but a lot of it was a lot of copy-paste, you know, change a few things, just rolling out sites, and, you know, I know I didn't grow yeah. a lot in that time, so. Yep, uh, I finally migrated to six tags, so. <laughs> you no longer a five-tagger. Yep, a six. Gone up to the six-tagger. See if abort. <laughs> you know, oh, I just thought of a new like module, right? You know, it, it should be it should be a command box command, right? It, it it'll scan your code base and count the unique number of tags, and it'll be like you know you are a twenty seven tagger, right? And then we could have like badges. We could tie it into Matt Gifford's uh, little badge site, and you could, like you know put it on your you know like I'm officially a twenty seven tagger, you know as validated by the CLI command. I don't know, I'm, I'm just saying maybe that could be the the challenge for January. Yeah, the January challenge. <laughs> just throwing that out there. Okay, so if anyone gets started on that early, you might win before you know you might have won before we announce it. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a pretty good one, Brad. I, I like that. That's fun. <laughs> it's the useless ones that are fun, isn't it? Yep. Okay. Now, now I think we're at the module of the week. Yep. So Forgebox module. Of the oh, that's week. right. This is the one I told you we should do. Yeah. So Brad recommended this one, and uh, and when he is first this the one mentioned you had never it, heard of. I said I never heard of it. Once I read the description, I'm like, you know what? I have heard of this, but it was not fresh in my mind. I'd forgotten yeah, it existed. Yeah, but I expect you to use this daily on all of your projects. Well, it would probably fail miserably. Um. Great, so what great, is it, Brad? You, you Tell us script. all about uh, it. Well, I just put the link in the description. I can all read about it. I don't need to talk about it. It's the Forge Box. Uh, no, it's not. It's the Singleton <laughs> Leak Detector. Uh, so this is a cold box module that I wrote a year or so ago, probably a couple of years ago. I don't know. Um, I was dealing with a legacy application um, that had been written, you know, years prior, and I was helping a company get it up to speed, get it converted to new cold box version, and we were doing performance testing, and it had just bugs out the wazoo that all came from var scoping lack of var scoping issues um you know they had these handlers with thousands of lines of code and there would be not a ton but you know half a dozen variables floating around in each handler that didn't have a var scope um and under load the the site would just be you know throwing all sorts of weird oddball errors um and, and the thought of manually inspecting you know thousands of thousands of lines of code to see what was uh, var scoped and what wasn't didn't appeal to me so I wrote a, a cold box module called the Singleton Leak Detector. Um, you uh, Actually, let me update your um, your little show notes because that should be installed to save dev. Uh, oh, so this is, a, a, this is a development module. You'd install it on your, you know, on your development server to play around. What it does is you install the cold box module, and it gives a little interface that you can hit on the URL. And what you do is you, nav- uh, you install the module, navigate around your site, kind of hitting all the pages, running all the code, and then you go look at this little report and it'll tell you all the CFCs that are singletons or handlers that have had variables appear in the variable scope since they were created. So when the singletons are first created, it snapshots all the variables that exist in the variable scope. And then later on, after you've navigated around the site, you go tell it to give you a report. It goes back, it checks all those singletons and any new variables that have appeared or modified variables that have changed since instantiation, it'll list those out as a report and say, hey, you know, this, uh, you know, query report variable appeared since creation. Uh, is this supposed to be in the variable scope or is this actually meant to have been in the local scope? Uh, so the, the only trick is it doesn't do any static code analysis like Varscoper. You actually have to run your code. It, you know, it counts on you hitting all the pages in your site and running to the code. But then it just goes and actually looks in those objects in memory and it sees what's there now that wasn't there before. And it kind of gives you a list. Um, and of course, if you have uh, a, a variable that you expect to hold state in a service, uh, if you declare a CF property for it, 
the leak detector will ignore it because it says, okay, you have a CF property declaring this. This is expected to, to live in the variable scope. Um, and it, it worked great for my purposes when I wrote it. I found probably 50 to 100 unscoped variables kind of littered throughout the app. And I you know put var in front of all of them. And all of those errors in, in my performance and my load tests just disappeared. Um, and I never would have, I never would have found all those by just scrolling through the code myself. So yeah. uh, Singleton Lake Detector is really fun, and I, I definitely recommend you, you you run your app through it before production push because you'll you'll probably find even in the best of code, you'll find a couple things with missing var vars in front of them. Very cool. Oh, I like the sound of that. I mean, yeah. Well, I like these types of tools, you know, obviously we've got the, the code coverage thing with the fusion reactor as well. When you run your test, you can see the number of code coverage. Then we've got the, mm -hmm. the, the code checker module, which is now a CLI module. Thanks to you. That'll run your code. You can do the Voscope, Voscope checker for that too, and see how many things are, you know, should be Voscoped or not. Mm -hmm. All these little tools just, you know, help make us better developers. So pretty cool, but look, so when you go to the Forgebox site, Brad, it doesn't give you the save dev recommendation. So we should have a I new know. flag for development tools that should never be installed in production to have a checkbox saying. I agree. Saying, Maybe that should be like in a box dot, mm -hmm. like a box dot JSON flag that says like this is meant to be a development only. only tool. Yeah, save dev only or something. And then that way, when they copy paste it from well, Forgebox, it would at least mm. be correct. You know, not even that. What if what if the box.json for a package declared it as a development package and you typed install my package and you forgot the save dev? Mm. What if command box was smart enough to introspect the box.json as it was installing it and say, hey, this is actually meant to be a dev package. Um, let me go ahead and make that a development dependency for you. That would be a little layer. I like this. Uh, that'd be pretty cool. This is good. We're, we're coming up with features here, people. Yep. Put some tickets in. Yep. Pretty cool. All right, I'll, I'll think about where that could fit in the box.json. Yeah, and then the Forgebox site can can update the install slug, and we can probably make uh, command box a little smarter as well. Yeah, because obviously there's a few like that, like the route visualizes another one too that you wouldn't want to have publicly available. And Dude, there's actually there's quite not... a few. Mm -hmm. I mean, relax all the the swagger stuff, um, the wirebox visualizer, route visualizer, the security. No, the security yeah. visualizer is actually built into. CB off, I think, or CB security. But either way. Anyways, yeah. There's, there's a handful of them. We could use a feature like that. Because you don't cool. want these in production. Even if they're not dangerous, they, you know, reveal information that you might not want revealed. Yep. Okay. So next on the list, we have VS Code Hint Tips and Tricks of the Week. And so... Shades of Purple. So, yeah, this week we're going to talk about a, a theme called Shades of Purple. Uh, and uh, Michael Bourne actually... Um, did um yeah he basically walked through and um told us that this was one of his favorites and Luis chimed up said that it's one of his favorites too and the funny thing is is um i i got introduced to this theme when i did this course so this author uh ahmad awais i'm probably don't, mispronouncing don't it don't ask me i'm not sure on that one but uh he created this so it's a professional theme with hand-picked bold shades of purple for your vs code editor and terminal and it's it's five stars. It's got like 688,000 downloads or whatever. But um, yeah, the reason I found it is because I was doing a VS Code power user course. And so last Black Friday, not this one, 2018, he had a Black Friday special for his, his uh, course. So if you go to vscode.pro, P 
PRO. Um, you can see this course, and it's got a lot of cool stuff in it, and I've walked through most of it. Some of the tips and stuff um, I've learned, you know, from just using the tool, but there's a lot of cool stuff there. And so I haven't finished it yet, so I'm going to try and share some of those other tips on the show as we go as well. But, mm. um, but yeah, it's a purple pretty cool... Purple Lovers Unite. Yeah, Purple Lovers Unite, yep. So if you like purple, it's pretty, like you said, it's bold, but it's clean and clear. Um, things do pop out, so go check that out so shades of purple is the theme and uh so if michael you, born and louise you like your ide like you like your copy drink yep. them both bold and actually this brings me back to something i forgot though what, what did you forget? because i didn't see it in twitter when i was doing my search but i know there's been another blog post from michael born this week because last week he had his webinar uh, not a webinar sorry his live twitch stream and so I actually got to join live with one of these because um, I've been wanting to, but I've been very busy. But so Michael was uh, finishing up his um, his little URL shortener that he was building in Coldbox. And so I managed to get in there. And of course, me being That's me, the one you showed in the resources. Um, yeah. So he was doing a few things and asking questions. And of course, I was giving lots of suggestions inside the Twitch chat. Uh, next time he'll probably mute me but uh so yeah so he's working through trying to figure out what he should name this route or what he should name this you know this handler name and whatnot and so i recommended a few things to him so um he wrote a blog post summarizing the three go. things this he is learned. the one from december 12th yeah i believe so and so we'll um, add it to the, show the show notes on the fly man yep but Here yeah so um so it was a it was a really cool um Really cool little um, blog post just sort of going over the three things that he learned. And so one of the things we talked about in there was resources. So we have, that's the thing that uh, uh, Matt actually updated the, the implementation of the resources scaffolding. But resources allows you to um, basically spit out a bunch of routes predefined for something. So if you're doing photos or something like a module on photos, it'll spit out, you know, the, the list the route for listing all the photos, viewing a photo, adding a new photo, saving that new photo, editing a photo, and saving the new photo, uh, sorry, saving the updated photo, and then deleting one. So it creates all the routes for you automatically, so you don't have to do all that. Uh, it all does it based on conventions, and then Command Box has a scaffold. If you go uh, Cold Box Create Resources, and then tell it the name of the resource, Photos, then it'll go and create all the, the handlers, the views, even some integration tests. And that's what Matt fixed. He put the views in the right place for the tests. Uh, well, no, sorry. The views in the right place for the, the custom folder. But yeah, so he, he learned about resources, which was pretty neat. Um, and then I also told him about how to spoof... Um, HTTP methods. HTTP methods, because the browsers don't support a lot of things. Yeah, so, so you can't easily test like a delete or a, a put from your browser. You can only do puts and, or I'm sorry, gets and posts. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, if you're using Ajax and stuff, you're fine. But if you want to just build an old CFML CRUD, and that's what he was doing, he wasn't hooking it up to, <clears throat> to JavaScript or anything yet. So he was doing that. So for those routes that get generated, you need to use the delete if you want to delete something. So you have to use the delete method. So we showed him how to use the underscore method URL or form parameter so you can actually spoof that. And Coldbox is smart enough to know if you pass the underscore method, of something, it'll want to, you know, use that instead. So, so we learned about that, and then because we we're trying to figure out all the routes, we showed him the Coldbox visualizer. So he used the route, the visual route visualizer. The route visualizer. Sorry. So yeah. So so many him. tools. Are right, the sub the subline for Coldbox should be like helping you be lazy since two thousand six. I mean, there's hardly anything for you to, left for you to do as a developer. We 
We scaffold all the files and the tests. We create the routes for you. I mean, ship it, right? Yeah. And actually done. And Andrew Davis, <laughs> um, he actually wrote a module that will build out a lot of the crud for you too. So <laughs> it'll actually credify a lot of the stuff. So, mm. and obviously we, we have data keep, boss. We've got to keep something for job security. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. It's like there, I saw a commercial once. It was like a holiday commercial and it was a mom in the kitchen making brownies from a mix, but she locked herself in and like, you know, put powder all over her, a flour all over her face and make it look like she'd been slaving over the stove <laughs> all day long. It was just brownies from a mix. That's like cold box. You know, we run a couple CLI commands for REST API peers. And, you know, a week later after surfing Twitter, we come back to our boss and we're like, oh, that was a lot of work, but I finally got it finished. You know. <laughs> To give away our secrets, Brad. This could be a skit for you know into the box twenty twenty. Just throwing that out there. If somebody wants to work on the the dialogue for it, <laughs> sounds good. So, yep. So sorry, I forgot that one, Michael. But uh, yeah, he has the the, Already the added blog it to post the show there. Notes. It's in there. Uh, do you Boom. have the the video itself? What the video? No, I think I don't it's know. inside. Link to his blog post. It's inside the blog. I'm just teasing you, Brad. So anyway. So now we come to that time where we uh, thank our Patreon supporters. So Brad, you were here last week, so you get to to thank I everybody. Know, you made uh, you made Luis do it last <laughs> week. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you so much to Andrew Davis, Brian White, Carl von Stetten, Dali, Dan Carr, Daniel Garcia, David Bellinger, Edir Lashnicki, Don Bellamy, Eric Hoffman, Gary Knight, Jan Yannick, Jeremy Adams, John Farrar, Jordan Clark, Joseph Lamry, Laskma T, <laughs> Matthew Clemente, <laughs> Richard Herbert. Uh, Samuel Knowlton, Scott Steinbeck, DJ, and you'll guess Matt Thor. You guys help keep all this open source stuff going by yep, being our Patreon supporters. Yep, and a special thank you to um, the Search Engine Optimization, a Hollander company, Andrew Davis, Don Balanjami, and Eric Hoffman. You guys are in the Hall of Fame, so I guess you guys Hall are you have uh, done a little extra to get that special like, appreciation. Like how many so. passing yards do you have to average every game to make it in the Hall of Fame? That's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> so, all right. But anyway, uh, it's been a great week. So remember, next week, next Monday at three Eastern, twelve Pacific, there's going to be a special episode of the CFML News podcast with special guest Ben Adel. So we're going to give you the gift of Ben Adel for Christmas. We're going to get the podcast out a little earlier, so you guys don't have the to. The gift of Ben. Can we? Can we get like a logo? <laughs> gift. The gift of Ben. That needs to happen. Okay, Sonia, Esme, are, are, are either of you listening? We need we need that to happen. Yep. So, hopefully, um, you guys can make it to that, and that won't interfere with your Christmas Eve uh, celebrations or last minute shopping and wrapping, which I'll probably be doing. Oh yeah, I, I've got kids. They're like, Dad, you need to take me Christmas shopping still. Which I just, I I hate the idea of having to go battle through traffic just to <laughs> show them a laptop. Them to the Amazon. <laughs> yeah i know amazon shopping just sounds more and more intriguing yeah. i've got a box <laughs> of boxes of boxes of amazon stuff and i'm tempted oh, to yeah. wrap just like put them all in one big box and wrap. i, it. So I think they go. have a dedicated delivery driver just for my house because it's just like a daily stream of packages <laughs> i know i've got two alexa warnings since uh <laughs> since we've been in the podcast going ding <laughs> your package will be here soon so oh my gosh all right well anyways so thanks everybody for joining us have a great week enjoy your holidays and don't forget next week monday special episode so adios amoebas <laughs> have fun 
Show notes for this episode can be found at cfmlnews.modernizeordie.io, where you can also subscribe to your favorite podcast player like Spotify or iTunes. We also have the link to YouTube to find more videos just like this. The music used in this podcast is under a royalty-free license from Sound.com and Blue Tree Audio.